This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Welcome to the MMA Takes Podcast. It's UFC 236 Fight Week, y'all. Um, incredible pay-per-view um, all across the board. The co-main main event are in, insane. Insane. Insane, huh? Um, I will be in attendance. I've probably told you guys that about mm, 75 times, but it's true. Your boy will be there with bells on. I'm excited. We're leaving Thursday when I get off work, driving down there, staying with the in-laws, and then Saturday night. It's all about the fights, baby. Um, this were you know, there wasn't a ton. There was no event this weekend. We'll touch on the bare knuckle thing and a couple other things, and then we'll get to the pick'em. So this is kind of all in one. We'll cover some shit um, that's happening, the haps. And uh, I'm excited about Atlanta, though, man. All week, you know, I'm just like, all right, you know, it's it's only Tuesday. It's dragging a little bit for me because you know I I got all this pent up excitement. But uh, yeah, so incredible event. I'm breaking on the card. Almost an impossible card to pick. I'm being honest with you. One of the hardest I picked. I went over it. Obviously, I've dove deep into it because I'm going to watch these guys fight live. I want to know everything I know about them. And a lot of the lines are so close. It's so hard to pick. Either I'm going to go undefeated, I'm going to pick them all right and win a ton of money, or I'm going to shit the bed and, and go for like over maybe one or two right. Um Two things off the top that I want to... Well, the first thing is I got a message from someone who... They're, they're a listener. Um, they weren't the friendliest, I guess. I've gotten a couple of messages from fans or, or friends. I, I don't want to call them fans. I want you to be a fan of me. But uh, <clears throat> some people that listen to the show and they've been great. Everyone's awesome. Like, I, I, there's a guy messaged me, messaged me and I want him on the last... We were going to do a pick on podcast. My daughter got sick. I got sick. Uh, you know, he lives on the West Coast. So our hours are a little different. He's a great guy. A couple other people are great. This person messaged me on Instagram and called me something, something, you know, listens to the show. I'm not going to blast them and say their name because I don't think he was that rude. Maybe I took it rude. But anyway, he goes, you're a Connor fanboy. It's pretty weird that you haven't addressed all the bad shit that's going on. What do you have to say now? Khabib's going to smack him around again, blah, blah, blah. And I know there's a ton of shit going on with Connor. Connor's one of my guys. I've made that perfectly clear. Um, he's got some shit. Apparently now, you know, there was the f- f- phone smashing incident, which I think I did talk about, which apparently that just got dropped. So Connor probably gave the guy some money. Case has been dropped. That's not a big deal. Some dude threw a fucking camera in his face. He might not want the camera. He just apparently is an, he's back in Ireland, right? After the retirement, he was in Miami forever. He's in Ireland. Apparently, he hit somebody in Ireland. They came up and said something about Khabib, so he hit him. Um, the the people in Ireland, the cops or whoever, are saying, yeah, there was an incident, but we're not going to confirm or deny that it was uh, Connor. So he's got that going on. Again, that's another one of those things where he's got to work on his anger. I, I, I don't know the situation, but I'm assuming the guy is talking about the sexual assault, rape, I believe. They're calling it rape, not even sexual assault, rape. That happened back in December. He in and I read a Barstool article. I think that Robbie Fox wrote, or at least did some investigation. And he's a huge Connor stand. Like he's never going to say a bad word about Connor. So I wanted to see what he said because you know he shows up to those court dates and everything like that. And uh, yeah, it was um, you know there's a lot of I'm remaining quiet on it because I take it very seriously. If I, put my serious hat on, any kind of 
if you lay your hands on a woman, if you hit a woman, if you obviously rape a woman, sexually assault a woman, I don't take that shit lightly, right? So I'm going to wait because I do love Connor and see what happens. It's a huge accusation. And obviously, if the female came right out and said, this guy raped me, they obviously, there's tests, there's DNA, there's things that can be done. I don't know. I don't care the amount of money in the world Conor McGregor has. If he gets accused and and, and not accused, if he gets uh, convicted of rape, then no amount of money in the world is going to ever change that. Like you're going to jail. I'm going to reserve my opinion because I don't know if it's true or, you know, and I'm not, I'm all for the Me Too movement. I think it's very important that women get empowerment and women get to not get treated like they've been getting treated in, in certain situations with powerful men, you know, but also I'm also not going to be this person that is going to, and this could be anybody, this could be anybody, even my worst enemy. If it's uh, some woman goes, he raped me and the guy goes, no, I'm not. I'm cooperating with the police. You know, like Chris Brown, for example, he apparently got accused of rape. I hate Chris Brown. I want to, you know, I want to smash Chris Brown to pieces because what he fucking, I mean, he almost killed Rihanna and he came out and he got acquitted. The woman said she lied. I don't know if she said she lied, but the, the cops were like, okay, he didn't rape this girl. Now, I don't know what happened in the investigation. I'm in favor of the Me Too movement. I'm just not going to jump to conclusions just because someone says that. Like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, oh, he raped me and everyone goes, fuck him. Da, 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 da. Like Aziz Azari is a perfect example. I'm not a huge Aziz Azari fan. I like him. I like Parks and Rec. I don't particularly enjoy stand up. It's pretty good. It's not really my cup of tea. I loved his uh, his Netflix show, which for some reason I can't think of the name of it right now. He got kind of caught up in the Me Too movement where he went on a date with a girl and the girl wrote like a month or a year, a couple months later after they went on a date, she sent she wrote an article about how they had sex and she felt very uncomfortable. She admitted that she never said no and it wasn't like he forced himself on her. She was just saying he should have known I was uncomfortable and stopped, but he didn't. He kept going. She texted Z's the next day and said, Hey, I've, I was really uncomfortable last night about what happened. He immediately apologized and said, I'm so sorry about blah, blah, blah. that thing kind of blew over. A lot of people maybe shit on him. But if you go to his Instagram, he, he, he went kind of radio silent for a while. I follow him on Instagram and he's doing like stand up tours. It was a couple months ago. And he was like, Hey, I'll be in Nashville, whatever. And, and I saw I had like 16,000 comments. I'm like, okay. I know Aziz Azari's popular, but his his plug for a stand-up gig in Nationals, no way it's getting 16,000 comments or something crazy. I start reading some of them, and everyone's like, you should never be on stage again, you fucking rapist, and blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you're even showing your face in public after what you did. And I'm like, huh? Like, again, I'm all for it, but sometimes it's a powerful weapon that these people are yielding, and for, for what? So, so you can take someone down because you had a bad date? Like, if she came out and was like, I said no, he kept going. I said no, he kept going. And then I felt like I had to. That's different. But she said, I was willing to do everything. I just felt uncomfortable about the situation. And we kind of stopped and started going back up again. And it's like, it just sounds like a bad date. You know what I mean? And he's apologetic about it. He's like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Maybe he doesn't read body language that well. Maybe he's just like, listen, I'm going out with this girl and my fucking dick's hard and we're going at it and she seems to be enjoying it. He might not know what's going on. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna keep my Connor opinions to myself for right now. Obviously, I'll say this, if he comes out and he obviously raped this woman and, and you know, then he's completely off the list. I'll, I'll, I'll never support Connor McGregor again. 
you know, without a, without a shadow of a doubt, I'll never, never give him my money. I'll never support him. He, I mean, I don't kick guys off my guys list, right? You're, if you make the my guys list, you're on it for life. But if you hit a woman, rape a woman, maybe even kill somebody, you know, do anything harmful to kids. I mean, there's a long list of things you can do to be a bad person. You're off. And um, so I'm going to I'm going to wait until everything comes out before I, I give my full opinion on that. So for the person that listens and was very concerned that I hadn't addressed it yet and maybe thought I was ignoring it. There you go. Um, and then uh, my bookie is getting some shit right now. I got to tell you, I've never I don't think I mentioned their name on here. I do a lot of gambling. I do a lot of offshore gambling because, unfortunately, the stiffs in Ohio haven't legalized. Um, well, it's legalized in the United States. They haven't put up legislation yet for my state, so I can't go to a sports book. So I got to do it through an offshore account. <clears throat> my bookie was one of the first ones I ever went to. They got in some shit with Dave Portnoy, a.k.a. El Prez from Barcelona Sports. This is a guy you don't want to fuck with, right? And he'll go scorch earth on you. He's got a following. He's got a mean following too. These guys and gals, whoever, when he'll if he sits the dogs out, I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough to come back from that. My bookie um, kind of called him a fraud a little bit because he, you know, he gambles a lot and and he usually does Fanduel in Jersey, but he was in Minnesota, and he was trying to put like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bet or something on Texas Tech or something like that. I, I remember exact details, but. My bookie called him out on Twitter and called him a fraud and said, well, you could have came and took us. We would have taken the action. Now everybody's going, my bookie doesn't pay. So he's like releasing the hounds, retweeting everybody. I sent him a tweet, retweeting everybody on the sun about how shitty my bookie is. And I have a personal experience. They are crap. I, if you read the tweet I sent to him, it's hundred percent true. I had some money. I had a lot of money piled up about a year and a half ago. I was betting every every fight, and not, not just the fights I liked. Every fight on the card I was betting. I was hitting parlays. I was on a heater. I was betting football. I hit like 10 overs in football. I couldn't miss. Like, I would bet an over. It hit over. I just, I was on fire. I had a lot of money piled up. I put a lot of money in, but I had a lot of money piled up. I took their stupid bonus they offer you. They'll match whatever you deposit. Then they tell you, you got to bet 35 times that same amount to be able to withdraw. Luckily, I didn't put that much in to start off, so the bonus was very small. So I just kept winning, 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 and I started to develop a real nice bankroll. Well, I go to withdraw it, and they're like, um, sorry, you can only withdraw. I, some of our users are allowed to withdraw right to the bank account. Other users can get an e-check sent to them and or a wire transfer or whatever, which is essentially to your bank account. But you have the option only to do Bitcoin. And I go, well, I don't have Bitcoin. I don't want Bitcoin. What, what the fuck's that going to do to me? I don't, I don't do the current, the you know, electronic currency. That's just not me. I don't want that. They're like, well, that's the only option you have. So I've been sitting on this money for like six months, and I would make bets here and there. I would lose some, lose some. But then I eventually, when I was finally like, okay, let me see if I can try it. And I was trying it every other month. And then my bankroll got a little bigger. And I went and did it. And they're like, no, we can't. But we can send you a check. I said, Send me, a, I fucking was like cussing out this person on the chat. They wouldn't call me on the phone. I said, send me a fucking check right now. It took 14 days, about two weeks, 15 days-ish to get to me from FedEx. They came super in the morning. My wife had a sign for it. I was at work. She goes, what the, what is this? Like she was all worried thinking I was getting sued or something. So I come home and it's a check from Montreal and I go and cash it at my bank. And they're like, I think this is in Canadian currency. So then I had to pay a um, like a international fee to get it cashed. 
everyone, I had like literally every teller, manager at the bank looking at this fucking check going, I don't know. And I look like a schmuck now. It's like, what are you doing? Right. And so I basically got like not half, but they didn't pay out the full amount. And I hit, got hit with a bunch of fees trying to catch that fucking thing. So, and my one buddy who goes there, who used to go there at least, he was getting them transferred to his account all the time. No problem. Now, Dave Portnick stick the dogs out on you. And uh, Pat McAfee, who used to work at Barstool, uh, that was like his main sponsor. He would do my bookie stuff. And uh, he was like, nope, we're not doing that anymore. If you guys are scams, we're, we're not doing that. I know that's uh, not MMA related, but... I'm I'm a fan of Dave Portnoy. I'm a fan of Barcelona Sports. So if if he's coming at you, I mean, look the fuck out, right? That's an enemy you don't want. And uh, my bookie and all these people are saying the same thing I'm saying, but even worse. One girl is saying I won I won the NCAA. I bet it on the NCAA winner last year, and they haven't paid me yet. And I'm fighting with them every month. Why Why can't you pay me? It's crazy. So <clears throat> that's uh, th- those are two little things. Now let's get some fighting, some MMA news, right? We got two things before we do the pickums. The bare knuckle boxing, whatever fighting championship was over the weekend. Everyone went crazy about it. It was Artem Loba versus Jason Knight. I I saw highlights, right? It it's not for me. It's I know this is crazy since I love MMA and MMA is a violent sport. Bare knuckle boxing just, it doesn't seem sporty. It seems like barbaric a little bit. Like guys are just, I mean, look at their faces. It's crazy. Like Artem never looked like that in the UFC fight. And he used to get hit a lot. Jason Knight never looked that looked like that after an MMA fight, ever. I know MMA fighters, they take some hits. But these guys, I mean, bare knuckles, you're getting cut up, teeth knocked out. I mean, you're getting knots everywhere. It's just, it's just ugly. I just, I just don't think it's, it's for me, it's a little too, it's a little too much for me, right? A little too, little, yeah, it's a little too much. I, I just, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of it. If I'm being perfectly honest with you. Um, I, I guess the fight was great. A lot of people loved it. I won't watch it. I know Chris Lee even fought. He won in like a couple seconds. Um, but the one thing that really pissed me off though, I saw this on Twitter as well, is the promoter, the owner, whoever that fuck that guy was, apparently a fight before, one guy wasn't like fighting, like he was kind of maybe picking him, picking him apart, and wasn't like brawling. He came out and was all pissed off and said, "We demand action. We're taking half his person. We're giving it to the other guy." I thought that was bullshit. You're gonna get fights that aren't gonna go your way. You're gonna get some boring. You're gonna get some duds. Some guys go in there, they feel off. It's a sport. Not every fucking basketball game is gonna be great. Not every football game is gonna be great. There's gonna be some duds. The guy went out there, was just having an off night, had a game plan, did whatever. Because, I mean, it's not like you're going in there and it's a fucking a barroom brawl like this. I guess you're promoting it as a sport. You're getting real MMA athletes. He went in with a game plan and this guy come out and said, I'm taking half your money. Go fuck yourself. Fuck that guy. If I was a fighter and I saw that guy do that, I would never want to fight for him again. Yes, you demand action. You want action. You're an upstart. You're trying to get eyeballs to your sport. But fuck you for taking money from a fighter, right? That guy went in there. He trained... He did his best, and it wasn't maybe up to your liking or pleasings or whatever the fuck, and you decide you want to take half his purse? No. You can go fuck, because you're not offering insurance. You're probably not paying that much. You're probably paying, what, 10 grand a fight for this guy who wasn't a main event? You're going to offer him five after a bad knuckle fight? You know, go fuck yourself. Fuck that guy. I don't know his name. I was going to pull the audio up and uh, let, let you listen to what he said, but I don't want to give this any more shine than it already has after the low ball fight. And, and you know, now they're doing the Malayaji thing. Apparently they offer Conor McGregor a huge deal. 
I, I got mixed feelings on it. I'm not crazy about it. And then the other little thing here, TJ uh, Dillashaw got suspended for two years today. So New York, when he got busted in January, uh, he fought uh, Suhudo, got popped for steroids by the New York Athletic Commission, not even USADA. And then USADA tested it, and USADA came out today and said that he tested positive for EPO and that he got a two-year ban, New York gave him a one-year ban. So they're, they're concurring. So the one-year ban, obviously, is, it, it, he's gone for two years. He can't fight till 2021, January 19, 2021. So that's, I mean, that's, that's I mean, it, he, he's not contesting it. He's not fighting it. He's relinquished the belt. He said, you know, he, he hasn't came out and made a statement yet. Jeff Novinsky, who used to do a lot of the um, friend, what is it? What is that called? Lance Armstrong stuff? What is it? I almost said the French Open. That's that's like fucking tennis. I don't know what it is. Uh, Tour de France. Boom. Nailed it. Uh, he, a lot of those bikers, a lot of those cyclists, bikers, a lot of cyclists did EPO. And he said the only way to inject EPO is by needle. And that's one of the hardcore drugs. Because I don't know anything about steroids. But apparently EPO is 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 one of the top ones that are, you know is hardcore, and you got to inject. You can't ingest it anyway. There's no way to you know take a pill or can't be in any supplements. So there's no supplement fucking thing coming out saying I was you know one of my supplements fucked me. No, it's a needle in the ass. And and uh, hopefully TJ Dillashaw, who's not the most likable guy in the world, um, hopefully he comes out and owns it and goes, "Yep, I fucked up." Cody Garbrandt's having a field day because Cody Garbrandt's. Two losses, out of his two or three losses were from TJ. Obviously, TJ's been sticking the needle in his ass for a little bit, obviously. Uriah Faber, 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 Uriah Faber threw that claim out there. Cody Garbrandt threw that claim out there. They dug up a Cody Garbrandt tweet when they were when they were about to fight for the second time. And Cody Garbrandt referenced EPO, said, you've been shooting EPO in your ass. So as dumb as Cody Garbrandt is and as cringy as his trash talk is, he obviously knew something was going on. He even said it, but you know, it, it could be anybody can just say anything. But now, I, I when he, when Ryan Faber said, it, I started believing it because Ryan seems like a good guy. He doesn't seem like one to really throw those kind of shots out there. Out there, I can't talk tonight. What the fuck's going on? He he's not one to throw shots out there unless it's true. So when when Ryan came out and said that, I was like, oh damn, okay. So this dude's probably juiced the gills. All right, let's get to UFC two thirty six. I'm gonna be in attendance. I got my custom shirt made. Uh, I I'm so excited. I can't. I, let's just let's just dive in, right? It's a great card. A little top heavy, but there's some really intriguing fights here. First up, let me pull up my little cheat sheet here. Huh? Let me pull up my little cheat sheet. Oh, I got some messages. All right. All righty. All right. <clears throat> so first fight of the night. We got Randy Costa, who is 4-0, young dude, plus 140 underdog versus Brandon Davis, who is 9-5, who's minus 160 favorite. Brandon Davis is the guy who got his fucking leg ripped off by uh, Zabit Magomedsharipov. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I like Randy Costa in this fight. Randy Costa is a young dude. He is explosive. He is a good striker. I think he's well-rounded. Brandon Davis is a really good striker as well. I can see why he's the favorite. He has more UFC experience. He's the bigger guy, slightly bigger guy. And he's been in there with some guys. You know, Randy Costa is his UFC debut. It could be Costa, but I'm going to say Costa because fuck it. I have a, a buddy with the last name that, and it's Costa. So um, Randy Costa is is a legit prospect. He really is. This is a perfect fight for him because this is a good style matchup for him. I, I think he's a little more well-rounded. I think he can probably get it done over Brandon Davis. 
who's tough as nails. Great boxing, great striking. Looked pretty good in the Zip the Zabit fight until uh, he got taken down and got his fucking leg ripped off. However, I like Randy Costa as an underdog, baby. That's right, underdog all day long. Uh, he's the slight underdog. I have him at, I wrote this down on Monday. I got a head start on it. I have him at plus 135. Currently on oddshark.com, he is sitting at a plus 140. So one of these websites, you can get him at 140 and get him a little higher. I like him. I think he's talented. I, I've seen some tape on him. Brandon Davis is a really tough go-to. I, I, it's kind of a pick em fight if you think about it. But if I'm going pick em, I'm the guy who who's lost two in a row to the guy who's undefeated and young and hungry, I'm going to go with the young and hungry fighter, undefeated fighter, who matches up well with Brandon Davis. Now, Brandon Davis can come out there and show him, hey, there's levels to this. And I'm I'm above you right now, even though my record's spotty and my UFC record's spotty. There's levels, young man. Okay, but I like I like I like Randy Costa in this. I do. That's an underdog for you right there. Let's go. We got Paulina Botelello. I have no idea. If that's right. She's seven and two. She's a minus one seventy favorite versus Lauren Mueller, who is a plus one forty. She is five one, five and one and zero. Oh. Man, that's a tough fight. I do not know much about Paulina. Um, I've seen her fight a few times. Lauren Miller, Mueller was off the Ultimate Fighter. Tough, tough girl. Um, has fought some high level women in the UFC and has been around for a little bit, even though her record, you know, they're both about the same record age. Uh, Paulina's a little older. She's 30, she's 27. This is a tough fight to pick, but you know what? Since we got the theme going here, let's go Lauren Mueller plus 140 under, baby. Why not? Well, she's tough as nails. She's well-rounded. She's good. She can give up submissions. She can give up position at times, but I think she can get it done against Paulina. I, I, I think she's the, I'm going with the vet. I'm going with the underdog. Give me that dog, boy. Underdog. There we go. Next up, we got Montel Jackson. I, it might be Montel, but Montel Jackson. I've DM'd him several times to come on the podcast. No response. Uh, Montel Jackson is 7-1. He is a minus 525 favorite. Holy shit. That went up. Against Andre Sukuma, who's a plus 365 underdog, who's 13-6. and six. I'm all for Montel Jackson. He was on the contender series with my boy Chris Curtis. He looked great. His only loss in the UFC is against Ricky Simone. Andre Sukumal doesn't have the best record in the UFC. He, you know, he's he's durable. He's tough. He's he's in there. He's almost in, he's almost in every fight. Like right, like he's right there to win. I'm gonna pick Montel to win this fight. However, him being a minus five twenty five is insane. If you're if you're feeling wily, if you're feeling dangerous. I would go Andre Sukuma all day. That's a nice underdog pick. I, me, not officially going to pick him. I'm going to stay away from this fight. That is a good number there. I do not, tr- I think this is a bad matchup for Andre Sukuma. However, he does have power. Montel definitely hasn't proven himself to be a 525 favorite. I know he matches up well with Sukuma, but I mean, let's be real. This is MMA. Anything can happen. Sukuma looks good on paper. He looks good with that fucking number. And uh, yeah. But I'm taking Montel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the safe pick. Get my numbers up. You know what I mean. Next up, we got Curtis Millender, who's 17 and four. He's a plus 100 underdog versus Bilal Muhammad, who is 14 and three, minus 130 favorite. This is an interesting fight to me because when I got first introduced to Bilal Muhammad, he was fighting Chris Curtis in Chicago, and Chris is a great boxer, and he took Chris Curtis down and all three rounds and rode his back and laid and prayed the entire fight. He comes to the UFC. All of a sudden he's a fucking boxer 
and he's boxing with guys he shouldn't be boxing with. Like he, he, I mean, he tried to take down Jeff Neal his last fight a few times, but he was boxing with the guy who's got one of the best boxers in the UFC. So what happened to the fighter that took guys down? Curtis Millinder looked outmatched, shook, a little scared. Um, his last fight, I think the kid's got tremendous talent. He fighted uh, uh, De La Secchi Dos Anjos, his last fight out, not too long ago. Quick turnaround for Millinder. He got choked out. Man, this is a tough fight to pick because I think Millinder has obviously glaring holes in the fact that he can get taken down and submit it. Bilal, shorter fighter, stronger fighter, does have good cardio, no quit none whatsoever, tough as nails, gritty. He'll take you down. He can do it. However, I haven't seen that too much in the UFC. Millinder is a, a dynamic striker, good strikes, long for the division. It really all depends on if Bilal can take him down or not. I'm going to go with Millinder. That's another underdog. That's three fucking underdogs already. I'm going to go with Millinder for the simple fact that I think if Bilal Muhammad gets a little tired, he kind of stops wrestling because obviously this can make him more tired, and he goes to boxing. Because his boxing is not bad. It's not great. He gets hit a lot. Millinder's long. will stay from the outside. Piece him apart. I think head kicks are going to be a big part of this. I think Bilal Muhammad is open to head kicks. He's been dropped almost every fight he ever fights in Bilal Muhammad. He's been knocked out before. He is tough. He is durable. Great record. He should technically win this fight. This should be a good bounce back fight for him. However, Millinder coming with a quick turnaround after being kind of embarrassed a little bit, I, I would say. I think this is a big fight for him. I think he needs to win this fight. I think, it's, I think he will win this fight. I think it's a good matchup. Next up, we got Boston Salmon. What a name. He has 6-1. He's a minus-125 favorite versus Khalid Taha, who's a plus-105 favorite. Man, let me find this in my paper here. All right, so Boston Salmon was a contender series guy back in 2017. Hasn't made his UFC debut yet. A lot of fights kind of fell through. I went and looked him up. Pretty well-rounded, grappling-based guy, tough dude, durable guy. Khalid Taha, I've never seen fights. I went back up and looked some of his tape. Pretty, I mean, kind of middle of the road, jack of all trades type guy. He doesn't have anything that really sets him apart, in my opinion. Boston Sam is a guy I've heard of um, a lot, even before the contender series. And obviously, it's almost two years now that he's fought, maybe going on two years that he's fought on the contender series. So he's a slight favorite. Um, I can see why, because Khalid Taha has been more active, has a good record, has more fights. Boston hasn't really pros himself yet. This is really his UFC debut. It's it, it'd be easy to take the the underdog. I could go underdog crazy with you. I'm gonna take Boston. I'm gonna take the the guy that a lot of people are talking about. I'm gonna take the the more durable, sturdy guy who's probably gonna win a decision here. And uh, yeah, lock it up, Boston Salmon, uh, probably by decision. Next up, you got Max Griffin, who is 14 and six. He's a minus 110. Yeah, pick him favorite. He's versus this is gonna be a hell of a name to pronounce. Zalim Amadev. Nailed it. Minus 120. He is 8 and 0. So this is an interesting fight to me um, because Max Griffin is a guy that I've I, I, I've never bet it for. He's a lot better than I give him credit for. He's a lot tougher. For some reason, I think he has a chin problem. He doesn't. He's fucking durable as hell. He's training with uh, my boy Chris Curtis out in Vegas. He's got a good camp around him. He's durable. He's tough. He's big for the division. Um, but Zaleem is a little bit taller than he is. Now that I'm looking at it, um, I, they don't have a reach on him. I believe this is Zaleem's USC debut. He's 8-0. and oh. He's a buzzsaw. He's a killer. This is a really good matchup at 170. I think this is a perfect matchup for a guy like Zaleem 
to come in and fight a guy like Max Griffin because Max Griffin, I don't want to insult the guy, but he's he's definitely a benchmark at this point. Like if you come in, you make your debut and you can't get him out of there, where does that stand yet? You know what I mean? Like Mike Perry. Mike Perry was the guy, had two brutal knockouts. They gave him Max Griffin. He knocked Max Griffin around for a little bit, but he couldn't pull the trigger. Then he got beat. So it, it is a nice little stepping stone here. This is Zalim's UFC debut. He's got a good record. Over in Russia, you know, MMA is a little different. I mean, guys that work the corner store are fighting MMA. You know, everyone's doing it. It's, it's or they're boxing. So I'm going to pick Zalim. He's he's a slight favorite in this. Um, but it's a real pick em. I mean, I love the line here. Vegas nailed this line because Max Griffin is as tough as they come. I just, you don't know enough about Zalim yet. He hasn't been in there with, with guys like Max Griffin where he can come out and he can hit Max Griffin with his best shot, right hand, left hook, whatever. And Max might drop, Max might wobble, but he and step in some potholes, but he's coming back, right? He's tough as nails. Unless Salim's got some heaters, got some hot hands that I don't fully know about because I haven't seen a ton of footage on him. But I'm gonna pick Salim because I, I, I'm I'm in this this thing with this realm where I'm picking the I'm picking the I don't know if that's an underdog. I'll give you half the half the little jingle there. I like these young fighters coming up, right? Max is right there. I think as a benchmark guy, he could take another leap. He is a bad matchup for people because he is so tough and he's durable. I'm picking Zalim, though. I'm not talking myself out of it. Next up, we got Hilson Haste. You got to pronounce it like that. 23-9. and nine. He's a plus-130 underdog versus Alexander Panjol. Panjoa? Panjol? He is a minus-167 favorite, which is a weird number. I got him at minus-165. This is a hard matchup because both these fighters are very similar. Um, Panjoza wants to get you down. Good striking, not great. Good jiu-jitsu. Hilson Hayes has good striking, built like a goddamn fire hydrant, has good wrestling, dominates people on the ground, really good on the ground. This could be one of those really close, weird ones. This is going to be how the judges see it, right? Penjosa's got a great record at 20 and 3. He is, you know, a little bit of a slight favorite of Wilson Hilson Hayes. I tell you, I don't have too much analyst in this fight because I really do think it's going to come down to who's going to land that last, last takedown in the third round. It's going to be a close. Grapplers, uh, grapplers fight, I think, or could cancel out and they could strike. But I do think Hilson Hayes' best case to win this fight is to really pressure with the takedowns. I like him as an underdog. underdog. I'm giving you guys underdogs left and right. I don't know if it's because I'm going and I'm putting some money on it and I got the energy thrown through me right now, but I'm picking a lot of unders for you guys. Let me bet. Don't go to my bookie. Go somewhere else and make your money. Next up, we got Matt, the steamroller for Wola, who's 6-1-1. One one. He is a minus-105 favorite. He is fighting Jalen, the, uh, the Transler or something, I think, Turner, who's 8-4. and four. Uh, He's a minus-125 underdog or favorite. It's a pick em. I I love this line because I think it's crazy that Favola is as high. I think Favola is a really tough, durable guy. I think he's got good grappling. I think he's with a great camp. He's out. He's from Florida, but I believe he trains at Longo's. Um, oops. Um, Jalen Turner has impressed me every which way. I think the kid is so big and so tough for that division. He cracks like nobody's business. Matt Favola has been knocked out before, has been known to fucking get caught in a slugfest, even when he knows the best path is to take someone down. He's got a lot of heart, man. And I love this line. I'm picking Jalen Turner all day. All day. I don't know if it's an underdog. I'll give you a little bit. Um, this line's moving a little bit. A lot of people... According to odd charts, 56% of people are picking Jalen Turner to win. 
I think that's because a lot of people don't know who Matt Travola is. He's got a decent record, trains with a good camp. Jalen Turner's just so young and so big, and he's learning every day. And he's 6'3 at 155. That's crazy. He's got a six-inch reach over Favola, who has been knocked out and who has been known to fucking sling some leather. So I think Jalen Turner can win. But Matt Favola, if Matt Favola was an underdog, if he was like a plus 200, plus 180, plus 160, I'm taking Ravola. That's a good number, but they're dead even. I got to go turn around that. I think he's more upside. Next up, I believe this is the first fight of the main card. Let me see. Yep, first fight of the main card. We got Ovin St. Preux versus who is 23 and 12. He's a minus 105 favorite. He's versus Nikita Kreloff, who is minus 118 underdog favorite, whatever. Pick him fight again. This is a rematch. Ovin St. Preux uh, choked out Nikita Kreloff. I think Kreloff got cut right after that fight and then made his way back to UFC. It was by the Von Flu choke, which is now the OSP choke. Um, Nikrilov came back. I believe he lost to... Oof. Oof. Who did he lose to? Let's see who this is. All right. <clears throat> Nikita... Uh, Jan Blahovich, right? So his last... Excuse me. His last uh, loss was to Misha Serkinov. And then he was gone for the UFC for two years. And then he lost to Jan Blahovich when he came back by sub. So that's not a bad loss because Jan Blahovich is, is the top of the division. So Ovin St. Preux got smoked by Dominic Reyes last time out. I think there's a lot of upside for Ovin St. Preux. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. You know, he hung in there for five rounds with John Jones. He's proven that he's got some skill and that he could, you know, he could turn that corner I feel like that he's in Tennessee, though. He hasn't really turned that corner yet. I think if he went out to, like, Colorado, obviously at Jackson's California, maybe even up to Long Island, they're doing some good things all throughout there. I mean, even even going Midwest with Duke would do him good. Kind of staying at that small gym in Tennessee. That's the same thing with, like, Luke Sanders is doing, which I don't love. Um, Nikita Krylov, again, is 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 a dynamic guy. He's a good wrestler, good striking Ovin St. Preux got smoked his last time out. I think Nikita Krylov has more upside to win on this. This is a straight pick em. This is as pick em as it gets. I'm going to say... Oh, man. I'm going to go with OSP by decision. Close fight. I don't love it. OSP's 36. Nikita Krylov's 27. For some reason, I can't... I have it written down OSP. Um... And I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my past Brian on Monday. So I hit the mic. Past Monday, Brian. You know I'm future Brian right now. Past Brian on Monday when he filled us out, really had a good feeling about OSP. I'm gonna trust myself. I'm going to OSP. Next up, we got Dwight Grant, who is six or was that nine and two. He's a minus one ten versus Alan Joban, who is minus one twenty. He is sixteen and six. Joban, one of the best looking guys in the UFC. Handsome as all get out. Good fighter. Talented guy. This this fight, another really hard fight for me to pick. Goddamn. Um, Dwight Grant has not impressed me. I have put a lot of eggs in his basket and before, and I've lost. He looked good his last time out. Um, he, I believe he fought in, where did he fight at? New York, maybe? And he got a knockout over, oh God, I don't know who he fought. Doesn't matter. Joe Ban um, knocked out Ben Sullivan's last time out, which is very important. Joe Ban, really good pressure, really good grappling, really good striking, but is hittable. Dwight Grant, I don't think you're taking Dwight Grant down. You got to pressure Dwight Grant. He's kind of a pot shotter. He does have long arms, decent power. Joe Ban doesn't really have, he's not a cardio machine. He is going to slow down. He will take some shots. He is hittable. How powerful is Dwight Grant, right? Zach Otto, who decisioned Dwight Grant, which is a very close fight. 
Zach Otto, another powerful guy who gets hit a lot in chin problems as well, really kind of maneuvered around that, kind of avoided the fight. I think Dwight Grant won that fight. Um, but Joe Ban's a pressure guy. Joe Ban's got to get in his face, and he's been out for a little bit. Dwight Grant's kind of been a little more active. Training, a.k.a. good camp behind him. <clears throat> um, I like Dwight Grant. I, I This is my third time betting the guy. I don't know why. But I like Dwight Grant. I think he's going to catch Joe Bang late in the fight when Joe Bang gets a little tired because I've never never seen that guy be like a cardio machine. So there you go. Next up, we got Eric Anders, your boy, who's 11-3. He's a minus 200 favorite. He's fighting Khalil Roundtree, who is 8-3 at a plus 155 underdog. I left this fight blank in my paper on Monday, I probably because I couldn't decide who would win. Uh, Eric Anders is coming off two losses. He's coming off a decision loss to uh, Elias Stadora, which I thought he won. And then he's coming off a stoppage over uh, number one contender now, um, Tiago Santos in Brazil, where he took on like short notice. This fight is at 205 pounds. Eric Anders um, is an 85er, but he's, I guess he's popping up and down and just getting fights. I like it. I like him staying active. Hopefully he learned a lot from the Stadora fight, Elias fight, because he wasn't the most active he dropped Thedora a couple times. Claire Roundtree is just a powerful, powerful guy. He um, has incredible striking. He got knocked out by Johnny Walker, which is no shame, but he knocked out Gohan Saki. He's got incredible strikes. He's so dangerous in the first round. He went to Thailand, trained in Thailand. Um, you know, he's ready for this fight. However, I think Eric Anders really sets a good pace in the first round. I think people fight his fight a lot of the times. So I think he's going to set the pace. Set the pace enough where Khalil will finally get tired because he does slow down. He does get tired. He does gas. He has before. And Eric will kind of pick it up and, and probably win a decision. I don't see him stopping Khalil. I think Khalil is tough enough. He might get stopped on the ground or something like that. Maybe like a, a, a exhaustion TKO type deal. But no, I'm picking Eric Anders. Heavy favorite, though. I don't like the number next to his name. Clear Roundtree, maybe on Saturday night, his number will look a lot better. But right now, I'm picking Eric Anders. All right. So the two main events here, I'm calling them two main events. They're insane fights. Israel Adesanya is my guy. He's on my. He's one of my my guys. He's fighting Kevin Gaslam. Kevin Gaslam is sixteen and three. He is a plus one forty five underdog. Israel Adesanya, last style bender, is sixteen and zero. He's a minus one seventy five favorite. Everybody in the world has a different take on this fight, which I love. I mean that that's makings of an insane fight. Kevin Gaslam obviously got the rug pulled out of him. He looked incredible shape on the scales to fight Robert Whitaker. He fully admitted on the first UFC embedded, like, I, it's hard for me to focus after what just happened. It's hard for me to jump right back in. Obviously, I don't think he's going to miss weight. I do think, though, that he's not going to peak right. I do think it's going to mess him up a little bit. I think the first two rounds will be all Kelvin Gaslam. I think Kelvin's going to pressure. He's going to look for that left hand. He's going to try to take Israel down. He's going to keep pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. I think in his mind, if he doesn't finish in two rounds, because he will slow down, then it's probably over. Kevin Gaslam's never going to have the best gas tank. Israel Asanya is so patient, so calm in there. He's got to worry about the first two rounds because he is hittable. People can get him, you know, especially on the inside. Israel's never really fought a guy that's going to take him down like this. I mean, Derek Brunson, kind of. Israel, I think, has underrated takedown the fence. I just think he's not great on the ground. I think he's going to struggle getting back up if Kelvin can take him down over and over again. Kelvin's fought some dangerous strikers before. I'm not going to dare compare Israel's resume to Uriah Hall's. But Uriah Hall was a dangerous striker that threw a lot of crazy shit. And, and Kelvin Gaslam was undersized for that fight big time. 
came out and, and got the job done at a very young age. I mean, Calvin Gaslam is so young. He's like 24. Has a better resume. That's what I hear. Everyone keeps saying he's fought better people. He's fought better people. But he doesn't have more fights in Israel Asanya, right? He has three more MMA fights. And Israel Asanya has like 80 kickboxing fights and then a couple pro boxing fights. So the competition in MMA, yes, Kelvin has a better resume with the Jacarees and the Bisbings and, and the Chris Rybans, which he lost. Israel is the only thing I'm nervous about, I'm hesitant about with Israel is he is a little too patient. I didn't love the Anderson Silva fight. A lot of people loved it. Also, it was a chess match, but he should have finished Anderson Silva. He didn't seem like he was a killer in there. Could it be the fact that he's fighting so much and he seems like he's always in training camp and he's always doing media? Maybe. But when the title fight comes, you take it and then you you take time off and be like, you know what? Champ needs a break. I'll fight Rob in August because that's when Robert Whitaker's going to be ready. I'm going to chill for a while, right? I mean, he's a millionaire now. Definitely a millionaire now. Um, listen, I mean, there's no, there's no, I, I can analyze this fight to the cows come home about who's going to strike who, who's going to do what. Kelvin needs to get inside, throw his left hand, work the body and get a takedown. Israel needs to defend the takedowns, work the knees in the clinch, work the body, take some wind out of Kelvin because Kelvin's not going to be fucking cardio king in there. But I custom made an Israel on your last bed in a shirt. He's my guy. I've betted against him once, and I've regretted it ever since. Never going to do that again. Israel Adesanya is going to get it done late, late, fourth round, fifth, early fifth round, late fourth round TKO. He'll stop Kelvin. Barrage of punches against the fence. I see some knees to the belly. Kelvin just being gassed and just weathered and, and beat up to the body and beat up to the head and, and taking a knee in a fight over. Israel Adesanya will be your middleweight champion come Saturday night. All right, the main events. We got Max Holloway, who's 20 and 3, is a minus 225 favorite versus Dustin Poirier, who is a plus 175 underdog. His record sits at 24 and 5. This is a hell of a fight. When this fight got announced, I was a little sour because they teased Tony and Max, which I think, I don't know, Tony Ferguson is not a boring fight, but neither is Dustin Poirier. Listen, I've underestimated both these guys so much. I've never picked Dustin Poirier to win a fight, ever, I don't think, right? Justin Gaethje, I picked Gaethje. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, I picked Eddie Alvarez. Fucking, um, when he fought Connor forever, got 45. I picked Connor. I think the only time I bet it against Poirier or bet it for Poirier was the Michael Johnson fight. He got slept. Poirier is the real deal. I need to start putting some respect on that man's name, 100%. Same goes with Max Holloway. Both Aldo fights. I picked Aldo. I picked Ortega to upset him. I need to start putting respect on Max Holloway's name. He's probably the greatest 45 that's ever done it. He's moving up to 55. Both these guys are very similar. Obviously, they fought before. I'm not even going to talk about that first fight. Max Holloway was 20 years old and took that fight in three weeks notice. Fuck that. Can't do it. Can't talk about it. Is that going to be a mental edge over him? Absolutely not. Max Holloway is so confident right now. It's unbelievable. So they both fight similar, right? They both have a boxing style. Poirier is kind of a pressure guy. Southpaw, Max Holloway switches stances, but primarily, I think his power hands is right. He does square up and kind of throw punches squared up, which they always tell you not to do, but he gets away with it. Incredible chin. He's like a zombie. He marches forward. The only way to get him, I mean, Aldo kind of made him stutter step a little back and made uh, Max back up. Ortega kind of did, but not really. You got to really slow that down. You got to slow his pace down. His cardio is insane. How's his cardio going to be at 55? Guys, usually when they go up, their cardio is not great. Because they're not doing so much cardio to get that weight off, you know. 
But Max is a big dude. And he's going to have to cut weight at 55 regardless. The speed. I always talk about the speed. Guys that go up are always faster, right? I think speed kills. Poirier, however, did fight at 45. I don't think the speed is going to be that big of a killer. They're both about the same size. I think Max is a little bit bigger. The reach. Poirier has a longer reach than Max. Excuse me. Max is taller. Poirier has a longer reach. 79, uh, 72. Um, Max is so young. It's crazy. Listen. This is a tough fight to pick. I love Kenny Florian. I listen to the Anakin Florian podcast. I've rented that many, many times. I like his picks. He's one of the few analysts that I really agree with. Him and I, if we had a show, it wouldn't be that great because we really wouldn't disagree on many things. He picked Poirier to win. I'm picking Max to win. This will be the first time I'm picking Max to get it done. I've, I've, I've seen the always bet against him. I just think that his high pressure... And the fact that he has a better chin than Dustin. However, he's never been hit as hard as a guy like Dustin. Dustin Poirier has slept a lot of guys. It's going to be a battle in there. However, I see this fight going a lot like the Ortega fight. Ortega had good boxing. Uh, Dustin Poirier has good boxing, but he's very hittable. Um, he moves well. He's got good movement. The one thing you'll have to look out for in this fight um, is Max Holloway getting taken down. Dustin Poirier is, is sick on the ground. Really good dart stroke, really good guillotines, really good ground game, heavy on top. Max Holloway hasn't, we, I mean, he lost to Bermudez and Connor both by grappling. Sure, that was many years ago, but we haven't seen a ton of people try to take him down. Ortega got him down. I think Lamas got him down. Aldo got him down. So we need to see Max on the ground. I think that's, I mean, that's that's a must. I think Poirier's camp knows that. Work your boxing to get this down. I think Poirier's going to try for some takedowns. Max is going to keep that real high pace. I think Max will get a stoppage probably in the third round. Picks Max Holloway to be champ champ, to win the 155-pound title. And uh, I would love to see the Khabib fight that we never got. So that is UFC 236. Whew, I am so excited to be in Atlanta, um, you know, and I can't wait to get there. I cannot wait to... It's I just can't wait, boys. I can't wait. Excuse me. I'm a little parched. I had to get a little water in there. Okay. So I will be back next week. Only one one podcast this week. Obviously, I'll be in Atlanta this weekend. I will hit you back. I'll let you know everything. Uh, obviously, how I did um, and how you guys did. Hopefully, you guys fucking won some money as well. So that's the show. That is it. Anything else I want to say? Oh, and obviously, if you're going to Atlanta, um, hit me up. Let's meet up. You know, uh, I, I, that'd be awesome to talk to like-minded MMA fans. And then, uh, yeah, so... That's it. I will talk to you guys next week. I don't know where I'm at, but I'll, I'll talk to you guys next week.